from the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com. Here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. And hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor for the newspaper here in Lubbock, Texas, bringing you another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. So you know what that means since it's baseball. We're going to talk to Keith Patrick of RedRaiderDugout.com. I remembered it this time, buddy. And then uh, David Collier, KMAC, guy on TV, does Red Raider Nation, does other stuff too. Figure we might as well be consistent, fellas, since obviously uh, Texas Tech has been consistent getting their third straight uh, super regional are advancing to their third straight super regional, should I say. And certainly it was a very good performance by Texas Tech and a, a great stat that was told to me by Jamie before anything happened. But it's the first time they've actually played all three of the teams in a regional, which was kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, they defeated Army, then they defeated North Carolina, then did it then they defeated UCLA, did not need that if game on Monday. So that was great for everyone who didn't want to come out for a Monday. But I guess from your all's perspective, did it kind of turn out the way uh we all thought because it seems like David kind of made some predictions last week and two minutes to kind of brag about it. Uh, I don't think I, I predicted that it was going to turn out the way it did, but yeah, I would that, talk about smooth sailing and the, to be able to do some of the stuff they were able to do at the back end of that whole thing, getting uh, relief pitchers some work and making them feel good about themselves uh, heading into super regionals. I think it, I don't know, Keith, uh, that seemed like that was uh really easy i mean i don't want to brag on it but i mean just it, it seemed like you know you got your home runs in those early games you were able to get some uh, crucial hits in that late game and it you didn't have to tax the pitching staff that much no i mean that was the that was the golden ticket right there you know don't push the pitching staff don't get into a slug fest and that's exactly how it worked out and it was pretty apparent defensively that Tim Tadlock's plan going forward is get a lead, put Dylan Carter back in center field as a, as a good defender, and then protect the lead on the way home. And that's what they're able to do. And not to argue with the great Jamie Lent, but Tech did play all three teams in the regional in 2016. So the first time since 2016 that they faced all three. Well, for what it's worth, I may have misheard him. So maybe he's <laughs> before. So, so I will give him that credit because he does know his Texas Tech baseball. So he I'll does credit. But um, I guess just to kind of go to your points from last week, Keith. I know you mentioned there'd be someone that would step up, or just some something that would happen that would be this guy that would step up, and all of a sudden you see Kurt Wilson starting in center field, and certainly he played a huge part in it. And I, I think uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact, and I think uh, maybe some people have mentioned it, but. When you have Cal Conley and Drew Baker go 0 for 10 in a game and you still win, mm-hmm. I think that just goes to show the type of uh, diversity you have on this lineup. And I guess just from your perspective, Keith, I know David already alluded to it, but just getting your starting pitchers to go deep, your relievers to be as good as they are. And then not only that, but then you have this X factor all of a sudden and Micah Dallas, who's not a starter, you have him now as a long reliever, certainly a huge asset when you have Ryan Sublette, who's been nailed so far. Yeah, that's massive. It's massive because you've been in a situation for the last half of the season to hope early that you don't have to use Sublette, like in a Friday game where Tech had struggled in the first game of series and then not knowing, you know, what you're going to piece together after. So having that second guy to pair up with in another game, you know, is great. And he went twice this weekend, which is also great. Now it was 11 pitches on Friday, but being able to save Ryan Sublette, who's obviously able to put a little bit more as far as the inning standpoint. And then, yeah, it was John Savage. It was the UCLA head coach who was saying that, look, these two studs went 0 for 10, and look what they still were able to do. 
Um, Kurt Wilson, incredible. You know, Mr. June is 100% earned at this point, I think, for him as far as a postseason guy. He was five for 11, two runs, four ribeyes, a double, a home run, and a walk uh, over this weekend. So, yeah, he was incredible. He certainly earned the uh, regional MVP, which he got. And it was just – it was a great performance. And I think it's just crazy to me. You watch, like, this magician in Tim Tadlock who's so – unassuming and ho-hum and whatever. And now all of a sudden things he's been doing for the last month and a half or really all season, these little moves and and opportunities and chances and whatever, plus dealing with injuries. And now it's all coming together at the right time. And, you know, you see them taking big, big giant steps forward as they move on. Now, I know you kind of talked about him kind of being the magician here, but I think there's something to show a little bit of wear on him, Keith. And I, I don't know if David kind of noticed this, but it seems like he's got a little bit of a postseason beard going on. So maybe they've been kind of uh, <laughs> pushing pu- pushing the old coffee a little bit farther than normally he would. But, <laughs> but certainly, I, I know we talked about it before, David, uh, in terms of this podcast last week, but in terms of the coaching job that he and his staff have done, to be able to get the sweep in the regional, to be able to get Chase Hampton to start on Friday, to get Mike Dallas now as an extra guy, because that certainly provides some great confidence going into a best of three series as we kind of switch into the Stanford uh, Super Regional. But when you know now you have a Ryan Sublette who's been nails, now you know you've got Mike Dallas who could be a long reliever, potentially get you maybe two two appearances rather than maybe one if he's starting. And now you've got, I would assume Chase Hampton is probably your your first starter now with Mason Montgomery playing very well at the back end of that rotation. And then uh, Patrick Monteverdi, obviously you know what you get out of him. You may get a couple runs down, but certainly he's really figured things out once he does get that fastball and his breaking ball working or changeup, should I say. But I guess to, just to kind of make a long question short, um, what, what do you feel has been the type of thing that Tim Tadlock has been able to get out of his guys? Because it seems like he just pushes the right buttons at the right time. And I think inserting Kurt Wilson and having Micah Dallas in that, in that relief, uh, in that relief role really helped out this weekend. I guess at this point, it's gotta be his players just belief in him and maybe the flip side, you know, him showing the belief in all of these guys. I mean, there's plenty of times Nate Romback was probably, you know, somebody that he wanted to sit down for extended periods of time. Right. Uh, you know, but he, he held on and he kept him, uh, kept him uh, in the lineup at times. And, you know, it's starting to pay off. Same thing with Kurt Wilson. I think even Tim would say, you know, I, that wasn't his coaching as much as Kurt getting healthy. Right. I mean, he wouldn't take any credit for it, but I mean, if you get guys like those two able to do stuff like that at the bottom of the lineup and yeah, I mean, it's just amazing that he can push these buttons and every single time. It's so funny at this time of year, I, I joked, uh, somebody was questioning him on social media and I was like, Erickson Lanning. I mean, a lot of people way back in the day were like, what are we, what are you doing putting Erickson Lanning on the mound types in, in certain situations? And he, uh, he came through in, in the clutch. I mean, it, you get to the point, you just can't question him. He knows what he's doing. And uh, he, he, he makes us all look silly. If you do question him. I think there's multiple examples of that over the years too. And he hangs with his guys, I think part because they're his guys and he has that level of loyalty, but at some point he knows that these guys are going to develop in and you could go back into the seasons, other seasons, Ryan Sublette, why do you keep pitching this guy? He throws gas, but he can't locate, you know, John McMillan. And then he has the big moments in his career. He had particularly Tallahassee last season. And so 
I think that, yeah, he rides guys and gives them a chance to work through things. He just understands baseball and respects the game in a way that he's going to let guys work their way through. And every season seems to have that point, that thing, that tipping point. I think Josh Young moving to shortstop was probably it mm -hmm. in 19. And this year, to me, it felt like it was that Baylor series loss, you know, and there was some some come to Jesus moments for that team. But a team was, will respond for somebody who believes in them. He obviously believes in them. I'm sure he pushed them after that loss to, to get serious and get rolling. Um, and it's obviously been good. And add on to that, the secret sauce of some people getting healthy, Kurt Wilson being a big one. Absolutely. And then when you kind of switch it over now to Stanford, the Super Regional, each game starting on Friday, playing Saturday, and then ending on Sunday, if need be, in the best of three series, all games will start at 2 p.m. I'm sure the uh, the shade will be great for all of us. I know that's been a joke throughout the last <laughs> weekend and a half, but we can all thank Don Williams for that uh, yeah. from the show, even though he's typing next to me and doesn't really care. But um, in terms of the Stanford team, guys, I know we had to wait till Monday night, late Monday night, before they won that 11-8 game over UC Irvine, both two really good teams. I know Brandon Beck will be mentioned ad nauseum because of his two complete games, the way he's been able to throw down the stretch. But from my perspective, it seems like the offense might be the thing to kind of look at when you look at three guys that have 10 or more home runs. I think that's something to look at because when you look at army, he didn't really have to worry about that. Yeah. They had a couple home runs probably at the end of that when they were trying to obviously continue to stay in and during that elimination game, but there really weren't that many home runs hit last weekend, which is something to be said because I know everyone thinks about, Oh yeah, the, the wind's going to be blowing the right way, but it wasn't blowing the right way last week. I'll, I'll be interested to see if it does, does that this week, Keith. And I don't know if that's something that kind of is on your mind in terms of the, the way Stanford is playing down the stretch now. You know, it's interesting. I said, before we started recording, you can look at like seven guys on this Stanford, um, lineup and and they're kind of interchangeable just pull their names off and the stats really look all very similar uh, but the power is the one difference you know with the with the guys in double digits uh, but when you look at them across just team wise all the way around they do not outstrip tech in almost any category they have the same number of walks and stanford has less strikeouts but otherwise um, the numbers just don't line up you know for them to look great from that very broad perspective um, it's interesting when you look across the regionals as a whole, I mean, more than 300 home runs were hit. It beats the previous records by like 60 home runs across all regionals so far in the postseason. So there's been a ton and Lubbock wasn't really in that conversation for the number that went out of the yard because we had the wind coming in a little bit. And there was a lot of guys that put big swings on it for tech in particular. Cole Stillwell comes to mind, Drew Baker too, uh, that they would have had home runs if not for some of that breeze. So, yeah, I think it can come into play, uh, but I'm also just interested to see how this Stanford team is going to handle some different pitching because – and I'm not trying to sit here and downplay a super regional opponent, certainly not one with the pedigree of Stanford, but there's something going on for their numbers to be what they are um, and for their pitching, at least in, in Brendan Beck, to be what it is and, and Gretsch, their closer, but then the numbers to sit as they are. I'm wondering if the defense may be a little bit of a struggle, but there's something baked in there that's making them not quite the team that you would expect them to be. Now, I know we were talking about this before we pressed record, David, but uh, certainly Texas Tech fans may remember the last time they played the Cardinal uh during the baseball season, I guess for you, what are some memories about that or anything that you want to kind of bring up about that history or anything else that maybe kind of is interesting in your perspective, whether that's looking at, you know, file video or just something that 
I mean, they played them last year. Like that's the the, the thing that I kind of reiterated in the last podcast last week is Texas Tech has played a lot of really good teams, and I think people forget because it was at the beginning of the year on on, <laughs> most, on, on most uh, seasons. Yeah, last year that was probably one of the uh, bigger wins, I guess, just for the sheer fact that there weren't many games, right? And you you, you uh, don't want to remember the games you played against Mississippi State, but yeah, they won in that Round Rock Classic seven to two, and and the thing about that was. The fact that uh, three batters in, Stanford was leading that game two to nothing. And after that, it was uh, smooth sailing the rest of the way. Now, Bryce Bonin was the starter in that one. But Micah Dallas pitched, I believe, four innings in that game of shutout baseball. And they didn't really do much. And there's a handful of guys that were in that lineup in Round Rock that are going to be coming down here to Lubbock, Texas and playing. And maybe even one of the starting pitchers as well. Um, he obviously probably won't be the opening games or I wouldn't imagine, but who knows? I mean, so there's that familiarity between both sides. And then of course, I don't want to be the bad guy here. And I, I clearly 1995 is not necessarily in my wheelhouse. Uh, I was, I was still a, a young whippersnapper back then. And uh, just watching college baseball as a, as a uh, high school kid at that time. But uh, plenty of people around here know that 26 years ago was very gut rich gut wrenching time. You know, they were an out away from making their first ever college world series back then. It wasn't a super regional. It was just a regional and they were that close to making it. And Stanford was able to beat them not once, but twice. And in that dream there. And I, yeah, like I mentioned, plenty of people here in town have told me about that. And that's the one reason Kyle Peterson kind of sticks in the, the craw of everybody here in town, I guess, just even though I, I enjoy watching his college baseball coverage, but I can understand, you know, Every time you hear him talk, you just think of uh, 1995 in Wichita. Well, certainly you're going to be able to turn some turn some heads, and certainly uh, 20 years does change things, especially when you look at what this tech program has been doing. As we mentioned before, it was the fifth uh, regional that Texas Tech has advanced from, and then obviously this is your third straight time to get out of that regional round as well. So a lot of good things happening under Tim Tadlock. And just to kind of wrap things up, uh, for a quick pod here as we discuss Texas Tech winning their regional, sweeping the regional to the championship, defeating Army, UCLA, and North Carolina. When you guys look at this super regional, I know it's a little bit different now because it's a best of three. Who is the best team? It's not necessarily, you know, you're still playing a little bit of chess, but you're not trying to figure out, okay, here are two other teams that we have to deal or three other teams that we have to deal with, pardon me, that you have to think about. It's just one team. You have your guys. What are you looking at, David, when you see Texas Tech take – the field and you see game one starter, or if there's something else that you see that says, okay, you know what, they're going to be in a good position to win this weekend. All right. Uh, preface this with, I know that Tim Tadlock's just going to change it all up on us, but sure. you would think that uh, Chase Hampton would be the, I mean, after watching him this past weekend, he would be the obvious choice. You go into that first game. Sure. There's the nerves of uh, being the first starter, but at the same time, would you rather him start that one or, you know, being down a game or, you know what I'm saying? You certainly don't want him in that Sunday game if you're down to, you know, having to win there to advance to Omaha, I wouldn't think. So I would think you would go that route and if he can get off to a good start and if you have to use Micah for more, I, I certainly wouldn't think that would be a problem seeing how he pitched against them a year ago. Uh, another thing just quickly, I mean, you can downplay it all you want, but 102 degrees compared to you guys were probably watching last night. I know it was at night, 
but people were wearing pullovers. Players had long sleeves on. That that's gotta that's gotta play into it somewhat. I mean, I know it's gonna affect the Red Raiders too, but playing in front of an empty stadium last night in the cold, going to complete 180 or 180 degrees, it might feel like on that turf actually. Um, that's that's gotta play into it a little bit, at least in that first game. Yeah, I agree. I think it was 60 degrees in Palo Alto. They're bundled up like it was February. There were dozens of people there. As as Mike Gustafson said, <laughs> the super regional in Lubbock is going to be the exact opposite of Bay Area weather and no fans. You know, so it's going to be a, a big change. Um, the weather will be a big change. And and of course, we haven't had a lot of it yet either, but we at least have guys that are uh, more accustomed to it. Um, I think that when you look at these teams, you know, Power on the ba- or speed on the base pass is going to be a big piece of it. Both of these teams like to steal. I think Tech getting back healthy and just going full tilt, that'll be interesting to see. And Tech has 54 more extra base hits than these guys on the season. And so, and that's not just home runs, you know, that's across the board. So I think that kind of power to all fields um, is, is a big X factor potentially for, uh, for the series. But I agree with you, Carlos. I thought you put it well. You know, you go from tournament baseball where you're, kind of playing chess and who has the most pitching and who can put it all together. And now it's just team on team. Who's the best. Who's going to go to Omaha. Yeah. And I mean, how many, how many times have we seen these red Raiders lose a series? I mean, they lost that one at Baylor against Baylor at home, obviously uh, Kansas state, they had a solid ACE obviously that uh, caused problems. And maybe that, that might be a similar thing, but you mentioned it earlier about Stanford. This is a different Stanford team than we've seen in the past. I mean, Stanford's usually loaded with pitching, right? I mean, that's that's what – I mean, if you look at that one from 95, again, not to go back to that, but clearly, you know, I, I, the offense was a little bit more uh, potent at times back in those days. Uh, Tech played a 3-1 game, a 3-2 game, a 6-5 game, I mean, in a, in a, in a regional. So Stanford's a little more pitching heavy back in the day. That might not be the case coming to Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Isn't the case. <laughs> record at home, yeah, record at home is huge. And you go back to that 2017 Sam Houston State Regional. Um, the Red Raiders have gone 95 and 18 at home since then. And so, and they're 4 0 in super regionals. I'm not saying any of this is guaranteed. I'm just yeah. saying that things are lined up in a way that they're going to come in and be competitive and, and it should be a great weekend of good baseball. Kind of along those lines, I like where you're going, Keith, with the with the batter and maybe the approach. I think the X factor here is going to be the patience of the tech batters because they have 320 walks. I think if you're able to get into that relief pitching, because after Brandon Beck, as you've kind of alluded to, they, 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 they're they almost like North Carolina. They've got Aaron Love, and then it's kind of you piece together everything else. Mm-hmm. So I think if tech is able to get to their, to their first – uh, starter Brandon Beck. Maybe if he get six innings again out of Chase Hampton, seven, you know, six to seven strikeouts, maybe one or two hits, maybe one or three earned runs, one to three. I think you're going to like where you are because of the way the offense is starting to come together now with Kurt Wilson inserted into it. The defense is playing a lot better. And I think that the one thing is which relievers will be able to step up for both teams because I think that's going to be the X factor is Texas Tech now adds Micah Dallas to their to their assortment of pitchers and what will Stanford be able to kind of come through with after, after Brandon Beck. So I think that's certainly a big one. And I don't know if y'all had any final thoughts before we kind of wrap this up. I'll go, I'll go first. So Keith can uh, think of what he's going to go with, but I, I guess you mentioned at the beginning, I've got to, I got to put this out there since I got to pat myself on the back. Uh, if you can get another performance from somebody like Easton Morrell, who was on base four times, 
in that game against, you know, yep. it's the, uh, no, it's the, it's the Parker Kelly getting a RBI, you know, I mean, that was a huge hit for him. And, you know, yep. it, it, he didn't do much offensively, but I think we would agree he was pretty solid in the field uh, for the most part. And that's what they would have him there. Uh, and I'm going to throw this out there. I know you guys are just going to hit it right back at me down the uh, right field line off the foul pole, but I mean, I like Mr. Junior and all, but as a guy that grew up during this era, how about the big Kurt instead of the big Hurt? The big Kurt, oh. like Frank Thomas. No, not the big Kurt. I don't know. That's that's my final thought. I know you guys are just going <laughs> to shoo it away. but I don't know if I'll shoo it away because it rhyme. seems like everyone's sticking with, with, with uh, the volleyball, Mr. Wilson, the volleyball. I think everyone's gone with that. I kind of like that. The so big Kurt. Tech leaned into Castaway. I mean, they put it on yeah. the audio when they did the side by side of the uh, of the yeah. dinger in 2019 from the Super. So, yeah, I don't speak know. it into existence. Call your speak it into I'll, I'll existence. Say, I'll call him the big Kurt. I, I need a little. I need. I just need a rhyme or something. That's what I'm missing in the deal. Like it doesn't. Mr. June just doesn't ring. You yeah, know, that's I, what I'm I need saying. Another that's syllable. What, yeah, you need. You gotta. There's got to be alliteration or something like that. So I just yeah. totally ripped off of uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, Baseball player from uh, the White Sox. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, in in his defense, he is a legend. He is a legend for what he's done, at least in that last and what everyone remembers. No so. doubt. Uh, I, I was going to say, and, and Parker Kelly was another one on my mind. That was a big RBI single for him, and, mm-hmm. and Coach Tadlock mentioned it. Getting Parker going a little bit, and uh, I think is, is positive. He's got great leather, you know, at the hot corner, but getting him in the back going a little, just a little confidence could be big. Um, and I like the Tim Tadlock trotted out Andrew Devine and Derek Bridges getting a couple of clean innings out of those guys in that atmosphere I thought was really big and then you have Micah Dallas to come take two innings home I wouldn't be surprised if you find yourself in similar situations if you don't see them again I could imagine even a Brendan Girton in that kind of a scenario like just getting some guys an inning or two getting them the confidence um, and ready for that bigger stage again if, if you can get there so uh, or potentially even later in the weekend if they're needed is, is another thing to think about. So um, I think that as we go, we're going to continue looking back, those that have been paying attention and see. I remember when when Tim Tadlock did that, and this is the payoff for it, this moment. You know, I think we're going to see more and more of that. But should be a great weekend in Lubbock. And it's always fun to host these, never take it for granted. This stuff is not easy to do, and, and it is not going to last forever. So enjoy it while it's there. But I think it'll be a fun weekend of baseball. Absolutely. And just to add to the relievers, don't forget about Connor Queen. I know everyone looks at Mecca Dallas, but Connor Queen came in there and was able to help bridge that gap to him. So I think that was another big thing. Once again, appreciate you all joining us for another edition of the Red Raider podcast. That was Keith Patrick of RedRaiderDugout.com. Don't forget to read all their stuff and get all their great information as he tweets and makes fun of me during games as well. And David Collier, of course, on Red Raider Nation. And you can check him out at 6 or I don't remember what time you go on. Is it 620? Yeah, about 620, 1020. Yeah, yeah. about 620. And uh, if, if he's lucky, Ron Roberts won't be uh, talking for most of that. So he'll get at least about two minutes on, on the old sports sports book. I'm not lucky, Carlos. I know you're not. <laughs> but, you, but, but like I said, if anything, appreciate you all being able to join us. Uh, that was David, Keith, or for David and Keith, pardon me, I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor for the newspaper. This has been another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.